What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer, and when I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com, so please come over there to prep yourself for the 2016 season, previews, predictions, cheat sheets, everything you need to get ready for football. It's going to be here pretty soon for real, and it's going to be exciting again this season, and on today's show, we're going to continue looking at uh, ways to dominate your draft. And we took a look at my do not draft list. These are guys that, based on their average draft position, are people you should avoid because they're overvalued. And before we took a deep dive into the strategies you should employ throughout the draft when you're looking at the quarterback, running back, tight end, and wide receiver rankings. But now it's time to look at the top 200 rankings that we have up at sportingnews.com and see what we like there what we disagree with a little bit and how you can uh, take that and use that to your advantage in your drafts and this is done by Eric Mack he's one of our contributors at Sporting News great fantasy team we have there with uh, Matt Lutovsky as well so we're going to kind of look at this and break it down by about 10 guys group them together in tiers and see what you can do with the overall board so with our top 10, it's pretty standard. I think the one maybe difference from a lot of places is that Des Bryant is ahead of DeAndre Hopkins. And I can see that because Des has got Tony Romo back. He's got the short touchdowns back in the mix. He's number seven on our list. Hopkins is 10. Going to the other side of the Lone Star State in Houston, Hopkins is breaking in with a new quarterback, Brock Osweiler. We know that he was able to produce at a very high level with four different starters in there last year, even getting a monster double teams and all that. So the good news is that he won't necessarily get that attention because there's a couple guys there, Will Fuller, Braxton Miller, the two rookies from Notre Dame and Ohio State, that are going to be impact players in this passing game. The bad news is I think they'll be more effective in running the ball and throwing to the running backs with Lamar Miller. So maybe... Hopkins doesn't see the overwhelming number of targets. It might be a good thing overall for the Texans to spread it around a little bit. It's not the greatest thing for fantasy where you look at Bryant, he's fighting for touches with an aging Jason Witten. Terrence Williams is kind of hit or miss. Bryce Butler is kind of a one-trick home run threat there. So what do you like about Dez is those short touchdowns, and those were not coming in the same rate without Romo, but Romo's back. They have that connection again, and you love guys that act like goal line backs near the end zone. So I think if you're looking at PPR, you could see that Hopkins might be a little bit more appealing because of the volume. But in terms of standard, I think Dez definitely 
can be the better scorer this year. Devonta Freeman, people have been wondering what to do with him. I think you could put him easily in the top tier of running backs. For me, it's Todd Gurley and David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Lamar Miller. But with Freeman, it's more looking like that the Falcons are going to trust him with that big role. Everyone was worried about Tevin Coleman, but I can't see Coleman being more than a change of pace on this team. It's just... Freeman has just been too good with his outside zone running. He's very good at finishing in the red zone, has a little pop in the passing game. So Freeman has done everything to hold off Coleman's challenge the past two years. I could see it more of like a 60-40 type split at best. I still think it's going to be more like 70 in terms of the big opportunities for Freeman. So he's a guy that maybe a lot of people faded, worry about Coleman, but You've seen the evidence. He can finish and score at a big-time pace for the Falcons. And really, beyond Julio Jones, they're still trying to find answers to put the ball in the end zone. I don't know if Muhammad Sanu or Austin Hooper is going to cut into that. So I think they'll be in scoring position a little bit more, and that's going to help Freeman in Atlanta. So we look at our next 10 guys, and the question is, what do you do with Le'Veon Bell? That's a tough question. I personally like him ahead of Jamal Charles and LaShawn McCoy, which have jumped ahead of him here in this rankings that we have. But Bell, obviously the built-in thing is the suspension early, so you got to work around that. He's going to cost you another pick where D'Angelo Williams, traditional handcuffs don't go so early. But with D'Angelo Williams, you have to invest a pretty high pick to get him. So... That's the dilemma you have if you take Bell. So that's why it's easier to take somebody else at that spot and not go with Bell because you know you're going to have to find a replacement. And if you don't get Williams later, it's going to be a little frustrating as well. So that's why it's kind of hard to trust Bell completely. He's still a very good value. We know what he can do when he's out there and playing in this rushing attack for Pittsburgh. So He's going to be a tough decision for a lot of people, but be prepared to be more aggressive about picking up D'Angelo Williams because everyone else is going to try to pilfer him to get some early success, especially the guys that are going zero running back and just trying to plug production in throughout the season. So going down here, I think Cam Newton, rightfully so, is 18 overall, the number one quarterback. I like Aaron Rodgers there at number 24 as the second quarterback off the board. Now it gets interesting after that. I think when you fall into the 20 to 30 range, there's a lot of wide receivers kind of lumped up here. Mike Evans, Alshon Jeffrey, Sammy Watkins, Brandon Marshall, Demarius Thomas, Keenan Allen, Brandon Cooks. I think I would look at the two guys taken at the bottom of that, Allen and Cooks, they're going to dominate targets. I know these two teams, the Saints and Chargers, have upgraded some weapons, but they're just plus talents here. and That's the first thing you look at in talent in fantasy is talent. And Allen has it for sure. We've seen the best of him. He just catches everything. I think he'll be a lot busier now with Stevie Johnson out for the season. They're trying to find some answers in the slot. What's going to happen a lot, they're just going to spread the field have to throw a lot. Travis Benjamin is going to be outside. Maybe Tyrell Williams lines up outside. So Allen is going to get more looks here. With Cooks, 
I think it's going to help the type of receiver he is to have uh, Kobe Fleener, Michael Thomas, Willie Sneed take some pressure off him because Drew Brees wants to stretch the field a little bit more. Cooks can do a little of that. He can do a little bit of possession. So these two guys in PPR especially have a great appeal. And uh, right now we have them 28 and 30 on the board. That might be a little too low. Now looking at 30 to 40, Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson. I think this is a coin toss because I think both of these guys are going to have monster seasons. I can't tell you who's going to have more numbers. I don't know if you can say that Wilson is just going to be more valued because he runs more. Luck is going to be throwing a lot here. The Colts defense is not very good. The running game is not very good. That's where I think with Russell Wilson, they're not going to run him as much because they're going to throw the ball downfield in their up-field, up-tempo offense. And you've got some good rushing possibilities there with Thomas Rawls and Christine Michael. I know Marshawn Lynch is gone and it's kind of been switched to Wilson as the leader of this offense. But to me, it's splitting airs between these guys. It's just who do you prefer in your lineup? Luck. You might be a little concerned about the durability, but let's remember he was pretty strong and tough before last season. He's going to be fine. He's These are just two guys that are going to be linked together in fantasy a lot. I think it's just your preference here. I'd say Luck might have the easier schedule playing in the AFC South, and that, that's where you might uh, break the tie here with these guys. But your team is going to be in good hands if you go after them, either one of those guys in this range. Now, looking at 42 and 43, it's a tale of two Jeremys, Langford and Hill. I think I would have this reversed with Hill going ahead of Langford. I don't trust Langford. They're both committee-type backs, but Langford has already had a foot injury. He's been in a walking boot. He's coming out of it. He's trying to get back to practice. I don't know if he can hold down, hold up as a three-down back to me. You have Jordan Howard in there. You have Kadeem Carey. You have Jaquiz Rogers. Just a crowded backfield. John Fox is not shy about giving multiple guys the ball. So with Hill, I really like the way he's run in the preseason. Got to see him up close in training camp. He still had double-digit touchdowns last year, although he struggled as a sophomore. So when you look at this, Hill is especially valuable when Tyler Eifert is not in the lineup. And that's going to be the case with the Bengals early. They're going to need someone to pound it away in the red zone. They're still working in Tyler Boyd and Brandon LaFell. They don't have, like, Muhammad Sanu for those gadget plays or Marvin Jones for throwing it up. So there's going to be a lot of scoring opportunities in the red zone for Hill as well as uh, working it between the 20s here with his uh, powerful style. Moving on, we look at the 50s kind of here in uh, in our rankings. And, again, I, I don't disagree with too many of these. Uh, you have Ben Roethlisberger. 49, you have Greg Olson, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Crabtree, Drew Brees, and Jordan Reed. I mean, these are guys that you know what you're going to get. There's not too much mystery there. 55 through 59, we're back at that wide receiver question mark. I, I guess this can be a wide receiver two for some people, wide receiver three, borderline, uh, depending on how often you go wide receiver before this point. But you look at Alan Hearns, I think you can fade him a little bit. I just don't think he's going to be as productive. He, they won't need him to be. There's more options in the red zone, more options in the passing game overall. He's going to work the slot a little bit more. That's going to maybe decrease his value. With Jeremy Macklin, I've never been a huge fan of wide receivers in Kansas City, especially with Andy Reid there. But 
Then Chris Conley is going to cut into it a little bit. Travis Kelsey is going to be out there. A little bit more use of double tight ends, uh, using their backs more in the passing game. So Macklin is still solid. He's not too spectacular. There's just a built-in ceiling, and I don't, I don't necessarily like those guys. With Doug Baldwin and Jarvis Landry, I can't see Baldwin replicating the touchdown production. I think he can still be a steady receiver. I'd much rather get Tyler Lockett later. Jarvis Landry, he's a PPR machine. He remains that way. You have to bump him up several spots in those type of leagues. But I think with Devontae Parker there, it's going to be more co-type number ones in Miami. And it's going to be a little different with Adam Gaze. They don't want Ryan Tannehill to throw to one guy that often. They want him to spread spread the ball around. So just keep that in mind with those guys. And right behind them with Decker at 59, he's just one of the solid guys but more intriguing than Macklin because you know the chemistry is there with Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's very similar to what you had last year with Brandon Marshall. So I think of the wide receivers that are going to be consistent and kind of parallel to last year, I think Marshall and Decker are those guys. We look into the 60s, and I'll just highlight a few guys that I really like here. 63, Dante Moncrief. The Colts, as I mentioned, are going to throw a lot. They're going to spread it around. I think Moncrief has a chance to outproduce T.Y. Hilton. I think they can both put up some very juicy numbers. But I think Moncrief is a little bit undervalued, and he, he can be stolen a lot of drafts. Matt Jones, I know there's been some issues. He's had a shoulder injury in Washington, but... There's not too much else, and people have been trying to put Keith Marshall and Chris Thompson in a positive light here. Jones, though, is a special talent. He had to hold on to the ball to stay on the field, and I think that's slightly improved here. It's just hard to ignore a guy that's going to dominate touches and is young and fresh, and we've seen that with second-year guys earlier in the drafting. Jones, there is that wariness of what are we going to get? We've seen maybe too much of him last year where – he struggled when he had the opportunity, so a lot of people are fading for that. I think that's a mistake here. So we move down to like the 80s here, and Tyler Lockett is right outside of that in 79. I think that's a pretty good spot for him. I really like Lockett. I don't know how much exactly he'll be involved. I don't know if he can be as efficient as he was last year. He will get a lot of looks. I think he's a better pick than Baldwin down here. I'm high on him. It's just hard to trust exactly what you're going to get from week to week. And I don't know just by playing more games and starting more games and being a regular part of the offense if the numbers will be as drastically better as last year. So he's a nice guy to have because of his upside as a wide receiver. Three could have a few games where it's like two, 150, scoring twice with that many yards maybe on four or five catches, but then you're going to have some games where he's like one for 30 and that's it for you. So that's what you have to keep in mind with Lockett and some of these guys that are big play dependent. So Travis Benjamin, I'm not too crazy on. I don't like his one trickedness in the Chargers offense, so to speak. I mentioned before Keenan Allen, and this is why I like Keenan Allen a lot. And we get to two quarterbacks, Derek Carr and Eli Manning at 86 and 87. These are two guys that I would circle in every draft. Their weapons are very good. They're in efficient offenses where they're going to dump it off and put the ball in the hands of their playmakers a lot. Very similar type situations. 
high volume, the good different weapons in terms of more from the tight end and running back to supplement their pretty good starting wide receiver. So very similar guys. I can't really tell you who's better. I think they're in great situations to succeed. So when they say win a quarterback and sit around and see what you can get, this these two guys are the perfect example. And looking at their slots, uh, it's about the seventh round in a 12-team standard. So that's a pretty solid value for two guys like that. When we get to the 90s, 91 and 92, we have the Cardinals and Broncos defense and special teams. And they're ahead of the Seahawks, who are at 96, and the Panthers, who are at 98. So this is kind of the range where people start taking those teams. I'm not a big fan of jumping on a defense that's projected to be number one because it seems like they're always disappointing. And I get it, the Cardinals make a lot of big plays, but I think the Broncos are still the preferred unit here because Cardinals are still trying to find a number two corner. We're still seeing Honey Badger coming back from injury. I don't know if they give you the same pop in the pass rush. They can make a lot of interceptions and score off those to really give them the potential. But I think the Broncos, it's been trendy to put them as the number two, but as someone who owned them last year, knowing Wade Phillips really didn't lose too much. I get it. Malik Jackson is gone. Danny Trevathan is gone, but Still a lot of guys that can make plays on the ball there. With Seattle I, I and Carolina, I think Carolina is going to go down a little bit of interceptions. No Josh Norman in there. There's going to be less of that uh, big play potential. I don't think it's going to be downgraded too much. Seattle, they're just about right here. So these are four defenses. I think I call them luxury defenses. If you take them here, yeah, you're going to get a steady every week performer, but – just keep in mind there's a lot of good values at this position later. What I really like about this is Tom Brady's at number 100, and I think that's exactly where Brady should be. It's a great spot if you can somehow have him slide in your league. If there's a Patriots fan, good luck with that. But I think this is the perfect spot. And 100 is a great number for Brady for everything he's done in this league. The four games built in, that's where you kind of have to compromise that and put him here. I, I think at 105, we have Tony Romo, and I think I would even take Romo. He might be the last guy of this top tier. I think we didn't mention Philip Rivers in between uh, card manning that you can take ahead of Brady here and feel good about it and just not worry about Brady and go get a high upside backup so you have a good platoon streaming situation later if you don't have one of those elite guys just in case especially with Romo with the injury he's at 105 I think one more good outing and he'll be bumped up a little bit more he's just such a steady performer when healthy in fantasy and if you don't want to think about your position and you want to try to get an average of two touchdowns and 200 yards that's your guy with Romo getting a little deeper here into the 110s this is where you start looking at the upside guys and sterling shepherd is at 111 i i think that's about right for him you're not quite sure there's a lot of hype about him with odell beckham jr it's still beckham show here and shepherd is still going to try to make an impact as a rookie but just be careful with overhyping him i know he's been in new york and that's kind of inflated his abilities he's very good but i don't know how much in a dink and dunk type offense that he can have 
it's gonna it's gonna be tough with the Beckham on the other side getting the attention and Shepard is gonna have to win a lot of his ma- battles with number two corners but I just I just be a little wary of overdrafting Shepard I think 111 is about right for him James White is a guy that 113 right now that is gonna keep sliding up boards because Deion Lewis is gone Lagarde Blount is there but White can be on the field a lot in this offense and he's going to be relied upon a lot with Jimmy Garoppolo especially early with Lewis not in the picture they're going to dump the ball off a lot White is a little bit more versatile than Blount so I could see him getting more key touches early so White is a guy that I would circle that's going up in a bullet we go to 121 at Josh Gordon that's a question everyone wants to know what to do in fantasy with him the fact that he's an established big-time player and you know that you're going to get that type of wide receiver at 121, you have to go for it. And you might have to take him a little earlier here because fantasy is in love with Gordon and tries to manipulate his suspension and time off to advantage. A lot of people have done that in the past. So Gordon I would try to maybe even take as your wide receiver three a little earlier and try to get a just a decent backup fill-in for the first few weeks maybe even Terrell Pryor's a sleeper very late in the draft at 125 another interesting case is Doriel Green Beckham I would watch for him with Jordan Matthews and Nelson Aguilar not looking like anything in Philadelphia Green Beckham is getting some more chances with the first team you go and think that with his upside he's got to produce at some point this is just a guy and can go up and get it and Maybe having uh, Chase Daniel around, some Mizzou connection on the bench there will kind of help him with the playbook and actually be effective somewhere. With 126, we have Michael Thomas. I think that's about right for the Saints rookie. With 128, Sammy Coates. We have to be a little careful here with Eli Rogers trying to fight for touches and looks in this offense as the potential number three receiver there with Marcus Wheaton. So situation to monitor. If Coates is not out there starting in three receiver sets outside or in the slot uh, you got to start uh, going away from him a little bit Devin Funches I think he's an undervalued guy at 129 as I mentioned in previous podcasts I think he should be more valued with Kelvin Benjamin they should meet kind of in the middle uh, several spots higher than this so when you go to 142 we have our first kicker Stephen Goskowski my policy with kickers is pretty blanket straight up do not take one before the last round I don't care where they are on your rankings board you don't want to be the first person to kicker there's just too many young upside players that you can stash they're a lot more intriguing don't say that there's no one here I like so I'm just gonna take the kicker you're gonna get a good value kicker in the final round of your draft don't be the person who does that be the first one to do that off the board 150 and 151 and I'll throw in the 155 and 156 here these are the rookie wide receivers Corey Coleman Laquan Treadwell Tyler Boyd and Josh Doxson I would maybe reorder this and go Boyd ahead with Coleman next and then look at uh, Treadwell and Doxson the thing about Treadwell he's behind Charles Johnson a little bit he's not as established it's not a greatest passing game situation in Minnesota so with Treadwell you just have to be careful this is where you have to pay attention to the depth chart and see what things are going on 
Johnson and Stefan Diggs are going to run ahead of him. You got Kyle Rudolph should do a little bit more. He's got to to help Teddy Bridgewater. So Treadwell, I can't like as much. I really like Boyd because of the offense with Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. He's only got to beat out Brandon LaFell for some key touches here. While Coleman's got Gordon and Terrell Pryor in the mix. He's a very talented guy, but all of a sudden the Browns look like they have multiple options in the passing game. While with Eifert gone for Cincinnati, Boyd and A.J. Green are going to be a big part of this uh, passing game early and really to help them move the ball and score it. With Doxon, he's got the Achilles. I don't think he's going to be available for a while. I think I just may not draft someone like this, just especially because there's a crowd there with Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, and Jameson Crowder. So you go to 159 and 160. These are some sneaky tight ends. Austin Safarian Jenkins, the motivational tactics have worked. He looks like he's building himself up for a bigger role in this passing game. They need this monstrous target to see eye to eye with Jameis Winston, make some plays in the red zone. So this is a guy that I think is going to rise up boards as we see him really taking that job back from Cameron Braid. He's just got too much upside. And Martellus Bennett, I mentioned this in the tight end podcast. The 2011 season, the Patriots made it happen with two tight ends. They're going to have a lot of that this year. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, actually helps the tight ends early. Bennett can have standalone value away from Gronk. And you can get a very cheap starter at this part, point in your draft if you need Martellus Bennett. We look at 163 and 164. We have Kenyon Barner and Darren Sproles in the Eagles' backfield. We go a little down, and we look at Bilal Powell with the Jets at 170. I would stay away from the Eagles' backfield as much as I can. I think Sproles right now is the favorite guy, so it's just hard to trust anyone. I think you have to piecemeal it together, maybe get some flex value out of that position. I think Bilal Powell could have some flex and more. I'm not a fan of Matt Forte, especially not being healthy in that uh, Jets offense yet. Powell, I think, is going to have a big role. You get down here, and then it's about time you see the slim pickings and just guys that you're taking for upside. A lot of kickers down here, and as they should be ranked near the end. So one group not kind of ranked here that I'm going to mention as a defense are the Raiders. I just like what they've done there in their back seven to really help Khalil Mack. Jack Del Rio's in there. He's going to get the most out of these playmakers. So... This is a starting defense that a lot of teams are just, um, a lot of fantasy teams are just missing out on. They're going to have a lot of impact. There's just too many guys there that can get sacks and takeaways. In Oakland, in a, in a division that you have Alex Smith, the limited upside, you have a questionable quarterback situation. In Denver, you have that Phillip Rivers and the Chargers, possibly a lot of turnovers there. So that's how I kind of look at the top 200 Every top 200 you see is going to be a little different. Everyone's going to have a little slightly different rankings. What you have to do is kind of put them together, consensus and fantasy pros or whatever site you have for aggregation. Try to put these together. Get a sense of where guys are going. See where their values are. Look at whatever tool you use, whether it's uh, Yahoo or ESPN or CBS Sports, to see how guys are different and looked at. I know Yahoo can be completely different so always circle more guys that you want don't forget about the guys 
down further that you'd rather take than uh, some of the lower upside guys before. So there's our deep dive and breakdown of the top 200 up at sportingnews.com. And uh, we'll start to look at uh, mock draft prep next week and take you through the mind of each slot there, 1 through 12 in the standard league. So thanks a lot for listening. And make sure you subscribe on Audioboom or iTunes to get this podcast delivered to your mailbox every weekday. And it's a pleasure working at Locked On Fantasy. We've got some great Locked On shows across the network. Uh, Check out your favorite teams. We keep adding a team every day. We have the Jets now up and running. We've had the Giants, one of our new shows as well. A lot of great hosts there. Good job on NBA as well, even though it's the offseason. That's how you keep up with all the work from the beat writers on the Lockdown Network. So we'll see you next time here on Lockdown Fantasy Football. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figure it out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.